0: Dance Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarais. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show we have Lee Smales, who has worked at Citigroup for several years trading short-term uh, interest rate derivatives before moving to Australia to lecture, starting at uh, UNSW and then Curtin University, and now you're based in UWA uh, lecturing in financial markets. How are you
1: doing, Lee? Pretty good, George.
0: I was. Uh, I feel like I feel like I was looking at you <laughs> as I was saying all that, and I feel like you were. I was getting a vibe like you were actually kind of impressed that I managed to say it all correctly.
1: No, I, I was uh, amazingly impressed that you got it in the in the right order, and particularly the um, the trading at Citigroup.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. No, I actually studied finance. I uh, spent a short time in banking as well.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. I went through a phase where I really liked, I find finance as a topic very interesting, like the story of it, because obviously it, it defines so much of the world, so... <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't be a history fan or be interested in the world and not kind of have a good appreciation of how finance works and economics and all that stuff. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it drives a lot of what we do uh, today, and obviously, a lot of historical events are driven by economics and and finance. Yeah, so it's pivotal to the. To what we do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think like, uh,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: I uh, So yes, I think one of the things that stands out to Australia before we go into the book even is uh, you got a very clean split in your like uh, background, like your CV, I guess, because you went from trading and then you just went to academia.
1: Um, maybe the, the, the resume doesn't do it complete justice. Um, I was trading. I first came to Australia working with Citigroup Trading and then sort of the GFC hit and there was a restructuring and so I used – my initial, I guess, goal was to use academia as a sort of a stop-off before getting back into the markets. But then I actually really enjoyed the research and then engaging with students as well. And so I ended up staying with the ac- academia. Re- really enjoy it.
0: That's like – yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, obviously because it's very – I feel like they're almost – it's polar opposite things in some ways, like the the culture and the vibe of it and all that.
1: Oh, def- definitely the the culture is different. the uh, the The financial aspect is is really quite different uh, <laughs> in terms of the compensation. Yeah, I could but imagine in- as well.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the um, you know the intellectual stimulation is is still there. The thing that attracted me to trading really in the first place wasn't. Necessarily, the Ferraris and the and the Porsches. It was the, you know, the thought of trying to beat the market and coming up with ideas to to trade and and benefit from different f- economic aspects. And just like with with research, it's all about f- figuring out how things piece together and coming up with solutions. So there, there's some some overlap, even though it is very it is. Certainly, different pressures and uh yeah, yeah, different clientele.
0: Yeah, look, I, I like you. You're on the right podcast to go from trading to be like, I'm going to be an academic. Actually, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, everyone is going to love that. A I lot. Mean,
1: the, the, the other thing is, well, tra- trading was amazingly fun, and I had a brilliant time and made some very good friends some my, some of my best friends. But it obviously comes with uh different pressures, and it, the, that lifestyle isn't for everybody. Certainly not for prolonged periods of. Of time. I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. So Some of the occurrences that are, happened in that movie were sort of pretty close to, to home back when I was tr- trading.
0: Ah, so nay nay are just making everyone jealous. I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I, although I do feel like uh, the GFC, I think, is a very clean split, though, between maybe how crazy it was and then what it kind of became now versus, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, things definitely changed, or well, already changing in the early 2000s. Some of the stories that I was told by people who'd been there for longer periods of time, certainly back in the 80s, (laughs) that seemed sort of like a different, a different level. Mm. But um, things were changing in the early 2000s. That um, companies were becoming more cautious about what their employees were up to, and then certainly since 2008, things have absolutely changed hmm. it's a, di- a different a different world
0: so so really you just were like oh, the party's over i'm out guys <laughs> it's,
1: yeah yeah it's Some, something, stuff anymore. So, <laughs> so, so, something like that don't tell my wife <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all right you've calmed down it's fine it's, it's all right. <laughs> uh-huh. okay cool well, then so let's let's start with a book and then we'll kind of jump around from there um so yep. your book of choice for today is
1: around the world in 80 days
0: yeah, by Jules Verne. Correct. An absolute classic. Like, I don't even know if I feel the need to uh, have to clarify. For anyone who doesn't know, a guy makes a wager about going around the world in 80 days, and then he goes on misadventures to get around the world in 80 days. It's a gentleman in England, and he's
1: uh valet who's...
0: He, I, French. French, and it's, is it just meant to be a pun on passport?
1: Uh, basically passport yeah so it's uh, a pun on passport I would I would say yeah, yeah. Uh, of course he um, rescues a princess on the way
0: of course oh, you got it I mean this is yeah Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice yeah yeah that's sweet <laughs> this was like because okay and, and also this was the 19th century like 18 I think I looked up 1860 or something like that it was written
1: yeah that's right yeah, yeah. A- 18 yeah 1870s or yeah, something yeah mm. Nin- 19th century for sure I think it was sort of coinciding with the transcontinental railway in the US and and thing, things like that, mm. that it sort of made the journey feasible. So, it's sort of historic. I've I've got a love of history. I've got a love of travel and, and adventure. So, it sort of brings things to together.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's one of the things I, uh, when I was thinking back on it, because I think I, re- I read it years ago, um, and I was kind of like one of the things that stands out is like, it, it can be weird. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's got a very positive view of technology and the world coming together in a sense. Like that's how Jules Verne kind of writes.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, um, techno- I think a few, a few of his books sort of, uh, do that sort of like traveling to the moon and, and things like that. It's about harnessing technology for the, for the positives. And yeah, in, in this case, it's obviously trains and, I'm not, not planes or automobiles, but tra- trains and boats and, and elephants and mm. things that basically any way to, to get around the world. And I think it's, and then of course it also referenced uses telegrams, which, or telegraphs, which would have been pretty new back then. <laughs> so it's, um, edge. yeah, yeah, cutting edge technology. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just a, a great sort of, um, yeah. Fit almost a, a feel good story you, you you might say and of course the without spo- without spoiling the end for for listeners of course he uh he uh is manages to win the wager yeah
0: exactly i feel like that's that's literally the definition of spoiling the ending but anyways yeah yeah sorry sorry Without yeah. spoiling the ending he is the last without page. spoiling the ending i
1: will absolutely spoil the ending yeah that's right but, I think uh, it's,
0: it's 150 years old i think we're allowed.
1: i think people are expect yeah mm. will we'll, and I read it as a kid. The first time I read it was a child. I must have been, you know, seven or eight when I when I first read it. And it's inspired that definitely a love of of travel, or well, at the time a want to or desire to travel and and sort of go to exotic places and, and things. And fortunately, in my later years, I've been able to. Or adult life being able to do that.
0: All oh, right, so you've done a bit of a uh, getting around the globe, seeing lots of things.
1: Well, until the last eighteen months. <laughs> That's yeah. one of my big, big bugbears with the, obviously the restrictions that we have. But yeah, um, I've managed to travel to a lot of places, particularly around Asia um, and North North America, and of course, growing up in the in the UK and living in London, I've travelled to a, a lot of Europe. Mm. Before ending up in the most remote city in the world, like
0: actually, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fact. Yes. <laughs> Interesting choice. You're like, I'm done. No, no more people. <laughs> um, no, well, like, so, so you actually, even you're saying that though. So you didn't grow up in London. You're from, um, no,
1: yeah. So I, I'm from the northeast of England originally. So the nearest big town would be um, it's a place called Middlesbrough, mm-hmm. which. Um, so, what are the claims to fame? Captain Cook was born there. Okay. The steel for the Harbour Bridge in Sydney was uh, was from there. That's mm-hmm. um, that's that's about the only claims to fame that it's had. A reasonably successful football team at one point with several Australians playing playing for it. I like
0: how Mark all the claims Swatter, seem to relate to Australia. Mark
1: Swartz, Mark, yeah. Well, those I'm trying to. Uh, you're pandering. You're
0: pandering. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we are loved.
1: Um, but it, <laughs> so it's sort of it's it's on the the coast in the northeast of England, about halfway between York and Newcastle. Hmm. If people have heard of those places, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's right. So, um, did you
1: about 250 miles north of London?
0: Okay, yeah. Also known as nothing in Melbourne, but also known <laughs> as the whole world when in Europe. So yeah, I know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Entirely different regions. Yeah, in Melbourne, it's like oh, I've got to go and see my friend. He's 200 kilometers away. Uh, yeah, you're actually not out of the state yet. Yeah. Uh, well, try
1: try Perth. You, you sort of we when I moved to Perth from Sydney, we drove across, and that's 4,200 kilometers. If you're in Europe, that's you're essentially driving across Europe in, into greece or somewhere it's from the from london so it's quite you know the distances here are extraordinary yeah growing up in the in the uk
0: and then like on, on that drive you'd pass to about 50 different cultures and places and regions and here is just like a straight road like yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and, the, the, and the accents one one thing that i find amusing here is sort of the limited number of accents whereas in the uk you can go 20 kilometers and there's a Almost a completely different accent.
0: Yeah, no, it's so. a, it's an interesting part. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just because you've been around there so long, I, yeah. yeah, I like to play around with those English. They're they're quite fun. I got a subs for one near you, like the, the Yorkshireish sort of one, like North. Yeah, English, Yorkshire. Right? Yeah, that's it's a fun. Yeah, one. Yeah, so
1: my my family are f- mainly from Yorkshire. Um, so Middlesbrough is just in North Yorkshire, the River Tees. Uh, which Middlesbrough is just south of, separates Yorkshire from, from Durham, and that's where my family are from. So, um, yeah, some of my family have very strong Yorkshire accents. They sound like they're from the TV show Last of the Summer Wine.
0: Nice. Well, that's an obscure reference, <laughs> I feel like, for a lot of people. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, that's a whole vibe so like I, I actually so on that point because like I it's something which stuck out to me because you mentioned it with a few of the books you were saying when we were talking before the in the emails before the show started and uh-huh. you're talking about how like uh specifically one of the other books you're looking at was, which was great expectations but about its working-class uh-huh. attitude coming in and I think that's interesting because like the picture I'm kind of building already is that you read this book in terms of around the world in 80 days um, yeah. about travel and about getting out and seeing the world. And I'm just wondering, was that a contrast yeah. with maybe growing up in Middlesbrough and it's not exactly the most regular Middlesbrough <laughs> ambition? Yeah, of I mean,
1: it's... So Middlesbrough is a very industrial town. So steel works and chemical works and, and things like that. And Growing up, tra- traveling more than sort of 10 miles away would seem to be a, sort of a bit of an odd thing for, for people to do. And I always had, I guess bigger vision of, of things and wanted to travel and yeah not necessarily just not just get out but experience <laughs> yes. new things and ha- have a, an adventure I, I had a you know a great great childhood and i had a you know loved playing sports and going into the countryside and things as a as a kid but i knew there was so much more out there and uh, one, of, so one of the other books I mentioned was Great Expectations. I know one of the things in that is, you know, Pip gets uh, his education paid for, and he uses that as a sort of a, a, a segue to, to meet his, these great expectations. And that's sort of, for me growing up, that was one of the things I saw educate, a, a good education as one way of, of um, yeah br- breaking the barriers. Yeah, and the, um, like the that sort of exist. Yeah, yeah, brick in the cycle. That's right. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's a like, yeah. So you, you that kind of set you apart from your family, but like not in a negative way. You just you just wanted to go do that instead.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, so I yeah, I grew up grew up in a working class family. My um um, i the first person in my family to to go to university. <laughs> uh, obviously, now I've got a. Doctorate as, as well, so I was the first person to be in my family to have a PhD. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, as, as well as books, my also my, uh, my grandfather was a great influence on me as a kid. He was um, so I single parent for some quite a long time. Uh, single came from a single parent family for quite a long time. Um, initially, my mom remarried when I was sort of uh, at secondary school. So my granddad was a big influence. Always encouraged me to read and play sport and uh, and yeah, um, do well at school. And he grew up during he grew up at a time when I I guess he so he would have been a teenager in the in the forties and he went off to war and saw some of the world through through that and always encouraged me to to go out and yeah to do do the same well not not necessarily go to war but uh, see see the world yeah, okay.
0: just, yeah just slightly safer way that's
1: yeah
0: i mean you're painting such a i'm gonna say right now you're painting such a like cliche picture of like this, the the boy from the small town, like is in it. I'm picturing your parents in like (laughs) coal mining hats. almost like industrial.
1: No, well that that was my wife. That was my wife's parents. My wife's parents, uh, my wife grew up in a small uh, coal mining village about 20 miles north in in Durham. So she, she is literally that, that uh, she, she's from just about the next village just about is um, where billy elliot was filmed okay, okay. so that's Easington, okay. yeah so, literally, so that is literally that is literally where she's from That is hilarious. And i'm from somewhere that's not too dissimilar to, to that
0: <laughs> okay that's a i <laughs> love <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the picture the postcard of what the coal mining town with the kid who wants to get out and sort of ambitions
1: yeah that's uh, it that's amazing i can't da- i couldn't dance like billy elliot though so
0: yeah she had to go
1: study <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's a, like I, I do. I love that. I love that story. Firstly, um, it's it's great, and I think it's always beautiful when you can like want to do more. So uh, you're saying your grandpa kind of helped you guide in that yeah. direction. Yeah, um, that's right. So so this book, I guess that's what I'm finding interesting. Like I love when it's a story like this where it's like, oh, this hits you on that emotional core thing from yeah. when you were younger. Um, did so did, like even from then, you're like, I want to leave. Did you? But did you know you wanted to do finance yeah. technically, or was it like? <laughs> Um, Which sounds weird well, as a 10-year-old. I'm going to be a trader, yeah. but you know what I mean.
1: Well, not necessarily being a trader, but I was interested in – I've been interested in the way that things work and fit together. So, you know, things like uh, how watches – the movements in watches work and, and things like that. And so it sounds strange, but economics is sort of like that. You know, you, you change one input and then something – happens via a system and you have a particular output you know so like that's how monetary policy works you know you change interest rates and something happens to um economic output and inflation so it was it was more not necessarily finance but economics i was interested in from admittedly a very early age i was one of those sad kids that was um Sat reading the, you know, the Times and the Financial Times as a probably no exaggeration, eleven or twelve. Oh my god! (laughs)
0: So
1: (laughs) I'm fortunate that I'm so I was sort of five foot ten by the time I was eleven. I'm over six foot now, Mm. so otherwise I think I would have might have been uh, one of those nerdy kids who got picked on at school. But fortunately, (laughs) I was quite sporty and quite large, so that prevented that from. (laughs) From happening, despite my uh, nerdiness.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's that's uh, (laughs) that is okay. I didn't expect it to be that early on. Interesting economics. That's amazing. Um, That's like I know what you mean. It, it, like I said, and as you said at the start, you're you're as a student. If you like history in the world, and it's funny, even travel, like just seeing how it all connects. And then, like I feel like, yeah, Yeah. it really slots into that. um, Well,
1: travel and trade and think all related, and they're essentially economic tools. So if you if you think about it, I mean, you know a lot of these things happen to that. because yeah. Just,
0: <laughs> marriage is just a good thing to do economically. That's the only reason. It's,
1: it's Well, some people would argue argue that um mar- marriage is one but divorce is obviously the opposite.
0: Yeah. I love that. Staying <laughs> that together the worst thing it doesn't you can make do. economic
1: sense to do otherwise.
0: <laughs> uh that's great. Well, I mean, that mean but it's true like it's, in seeing how that slots together that, it, uh, it's funny you come to that from obviously where you grew up and then you moved to London and you or you would have studied yeah. first and then traded. And this is part, again, because, because of we had this discussion before the show and the, the, a few of the books you chose, which was like Sherlock Holmes and uh, Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah. Um,
1: they have it, London you, in them.
0: Pardon? They have London in them. Yeah, that as well, which is <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. But like first of all, classics, like old, old classics. So Is that, oh, is yeah, that, yes. is that something you always kind of preferred um, or is that just – are you trying to? Well, no, are I, you trying to fake it for the book crowd? You are like I read classic I, books, guys.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I do like modern books. I, 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 so one of the other books I mentioned that I have read recently is Honey Honeybee. Hmm. Um, um, but I, I do like the the, the classics, and um, yeah, just gr- growing up, those were probably the ones that were sort of more accessible in the you know in the library and and things. It was all I was going to say online. Clearly, that, clearly online didn't exist when i was when i was growing up yeah just i, I like to read uh, you know a variety of books and definitely uh non-fiction books or biographies uh particularly political uh memoirs and yeah tra- travel memoirs and yeah a whole v- variety of, of books mm. the only uh books that i Sometimes of the books that are really slow and painstaking to, to, to get into, and people insist and they say, just keep keep trying, you know, it'll be great in the end. And it's always so disappointing when they're not.
0: <laughs> Do you have an example? I love that. That's I definitely want to hear that. Oh,
1: hopefully my friend doesn't listen to this podcast, but she bought me it for Christmas. And it was about, it wouldn't pull its prize and it was about trees.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually read And those. how they're
1: all interconnected and what mm-hmm. and the other story. The yeah, that's and the the start of it I really enjoyed. It was about this was sort of almost the reverse of books that I dislike. Because the start of it I really enjoyed. It was about history. The history of trees and these how you know how they communicate and things. And there was like disparate stories, and I think, oh, this is going to come together nicely. And then it was I don't know, it was, it just went, for a start, it went on for a long time. And any book that you can use as a door wedge, I think is, is probably not a, not a good, good start, but it just sort of, yeah. That that wasn't a favorite.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that's I. I actually. I'm probably not explaining myself very well. No. But no. I, I, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean because the story. I. It started off with the uh, very short uh, cutting in between the di- different people's stories. Yes. And then about yes. halfway, it kind of switched into now just a kind of regular, more classic story narrative structure. Yeah. Which, which I didn't see. That's a, yeah. That's interesting. I, I I thought it was really good. I thought it really captured. Uh, it made you like trees and uh, appreciate hippies. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: It did, but it was, yeah, the hippies. And I just didn't, you know, I enjoyed the start of it, but that, I think that was my love of history and facts and and things that, that I enjoyed in that in that section.
0: Yeah, it's like, this is some good facts, all right. And it's like, oh, no, nice. it's yeah, yeah. narrative? <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> I don't have time for this. Give me the facts. <laughs>
1: I, yeah. I, I think the, the pace the pace slowed too much. Hmm. So the, the books that I've mentioned, so you mentioned the, the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, that's a series of short stories mm-hmm. essentially. Around that World in 80 Days is a reasonably short book that's quite fast-paced. So I think that maybe, I think my brain sort of goes off on other, other journeys whilst I'm reading, so it makes me a bit too impatient for books Anything like, too long. like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And you were were focused on markets for that long? Okay. (laughs) 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 No, because there's a lot more going on to engage you.
1: Well, there's a lot more going on. There's flashing lights and screens and numbers are moving all of the time. And yeah, Yeah. there's news and yeah.
0: That's uh, a... yeah. I mean, like I, 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 I get what you mean. I mean, I think it just, it's different people like different things. That's totally That's fair right, enough. Yeah. Um, the other part as well, and this might just be because you were reading books, which are more classic and those are what you picked. But the other thing that yeah. stood out to me and it kind of, uh, ties in, and I'm totally pulling this out of my butt, but like, you um, as someone coming from like the background you did going to London, there is an element yeah. of like that big smoke, like the, the outsider coming in and I am, even before obviously even before you went there, there is that element where maybe there was a bit of wish not wish fulfillment, but like you're looking at these genteel gentlemen mainly, is your stories. That's what the ones you've picked. They're all very much of the upper crust in terms of what they're doing. Uh, not just saying this and you want to be a yeah. upper crust person, but in terms of like culturally and stuff, they're very cultured and worldly, and that's very much a part of who they are. Um, yeah,
1: that's that's a good point. I've, that's yeah. <laughs> I just wondered <laughs> I've if really, that was yeah. a thing. I don't know. If that was something that I haven't, haven't really felt. thought about, it, but you you're you're right. You know, you know, the yeah, definitely Phileas Fogg was a an English gentleman and Holmes is a a, a gent as well. Um yeah, that's I guess I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily something I and, yeah, in Great Expectations, Pip becomes a gentleman. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's something that I aspire to. I mean, I, I think, when I again, linking back to my, my granddad, grandfather, I, he was a, a real gentleman I would d- describe him as. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's something that I aspire to. My wife would probably say I failed on that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, like,
0: I don't know what you're like uh, in the morning. You know, but but the,
1: but the educate, I probably, I mean, so I, I am still in. You know, you, you mentioned about moving away and, and getting out and not being typical of my my background. So, I am still in touch with some friends, very few from from school. And they, they, we, when we occasionally have a, a catch up on online, they tell me all that's going on. And very few people even went to university from my school. Never mind. Ended up living living um, where um, afterwards. So most people still sort of live in the, the same area. Haven't really, so, and that's that's fine. That's their life. But it's yeah. So I've definitely had different aspirations, and whether that's been a, a gentleman or or not, but that certainly uh, improving myself. Yeah. I think is better, better, a different way of. Yeah. Like I'm not saying you want to, <laughs> yeah, be a be a country gent yeah. wearing uh, my barber jacket and going shooting at weekends and things. Yeah, i don't mean that. Although, although I do have friends who who do that, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't my main uh, aspiration.
0: Really, that's, I love hearing yeah. that. That's just like so far outside my. Uh... Yeah,
1: certainly. Well, li- living in London and working in the markets that attract certainly attracts people from that background to to some to some extent. Um so yeah, we ha- definitely had friends who had country places and um yeah, we went shooting at weekends and no. things. Clear pigeon clear pigeon shooting I should should add. Not uh, not shooting of actual animals. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, yeah true. That's it's good to add actually. <laughs> everyone's
1: everyone's yeah. picturing that's So, this, this is this is this is amazing. <laughs> this is
0: such a different world that you've gone kind of through and then you've come to academia at the end but yeah that's a uh, well that's yeah. what i mean so you ended up actually hanging out with the people that you were kind of reading about i guess in a weird way
1: normally being a little extra
0: can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra Uh, topic of the finance and uh, the transition to academia for a second. Just because I I did notice one of your uh, papers that you wrote recently. So there's actually two things I want to ask about here because we haven't really gone into the academia side of the finance stuff. So um, firstly, I noticed you've written written up in a few journals. You've had some pieces done. Um, Yeah. Just because, look, it's writing and I do find that interesting. But like, is that process, is that like- What's involved in that probably How thorough do you have to be, and how like detailed is it when you get written up in those things? Like, are you
1: like uh, how much do you so, have to show you're working? I guess? <laughs> um, okay, so to some extent, it depends on the the journal, but so cl- clearly you have to you, you you gather data, you perform statistical tests, and uh, so a lot of it is writing a paper for an academic journal, is two two aspects. The first one is generally reviewing the current literature and theories, um, spotting gaps in that literature and different hypotheses to to test. Then you gather data to test that and go through statistical tests and then write up those tests and draw some conclusions. So depending on the, the journal, the journal may... So it sends, sends it out to other academics essentially, so peers, to, to review. And they may be happy enough with just the demonstration that you've got in the in the tables, statistical tables that you know things seem to fit together and, and work, and that's sufficient evidence. But more and more now they actually require you to upload all of the data, or at least part of the data the coding and programming that you've developed in order to analyze the data and also share that with the, the peer reviewers and the more generally the, the public so that others can go on and test so that they can see that what you have reported is actually consistent with the, the data. And that's more and more becoming prevalent, that this replication, because there's been some issues in recent times with... Um, essentially people falsifying re- results
0: oh so it's actually falsifying results so i thought it might just be some some people not doing it
1: um, right, rather than yeah so some people well i say it falsify maybe too 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 strong strong word but let's inaccurately reporting making errors in the in the data and and things like things like that so that's that's um certainly a, an issue with some some places around Around the world, so I think it's a it's a good idea to make to make the data more av- available and such like. So, and it is in or helps to ensure integrity in the in the process. So I think it's a great great idea.
0: I yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I think I think. Uh... Yeah, this is an interesting topic for me. So I know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have probably already gone like heard data and statistics too much to find this as exciting <laughs> as I do. But uh, it's because like uh, from my understanding, there actually has been a quite a big replication error issue with a lot of this stuff in recent years um, across a lot of spectrums of academia, I guess, not just economics.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the the replication issue is yeah being noticed across the whole spectrum so not just finance and other business or social studies but in the physical sciences and across across the the full spectrum it's been recognized as as an issue but one of the the problems is that when you write a paper you're supposed to um, provide enough information in that paper for somebody else to come along gather the same data and then it replicate what exactly replicate what you've done and get the same results. Part of the issue is when you write about the process that you followed, you don't I think in some of the process that you follow is sort of almost implicit. And because you've done it done this before and you, you miss some of the, the steps in the in the writing. So you've gone, you've actually followed through with certain steps and certain decisions about the data and how to handle the data, but you don't note absolutely every step. So then when somebody else comes along and tries to follow what you've actually written, then they get something slightly different. So I think that that's uh, an, an issue. Oh. There's a, a paper that came out. I think last year or the year before, where they essentially they took uh, a group of neuroscientists, gave them all of this same data, same group of data, and asked them to make conclusions based on this data, and they got a wide variety of, of results. I've just been involved in a in a study by the same guys where you're given a bunch of financial data. In the and asked to answer questions using this this data. And because you're limited by the data that you have access to, you need to make assumptions and you need to make decisions about what you're going to do with the data. And so just like with the neuroscientists, there's a wide spectrum of answers with the finance data. Eve, not necessarily the direction of the results but the magnitude of the results Mm. so you know you could get a a positive result but one person might say it's 90% whereas another person might say it's 30% positive so it's it's an interesting
0: issue. It, it is, like, for me, it is because it's like, I mean, I again, I, I'm partially into the ground with this kind of stuff. It just just fascinating because it's like, ah, oh, we don't know what's going on. Like, all these studies and stuff we <laughs> thought was, but obviously it's not to that degree, but uh, it is an interesting little yeah. uh, realization people are having right now that this is, that a lot of the stuff we might've taken as for granted maybe isn't quite as for granted as we thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that unfortunately that does create issues with sort of some of the, um, uh, the drama around COVID and the uh, misrepresentation of certain data and things that people use to, at, at the moment, um, you
0: know. I mean, it definitely brings it front and center. Definitely that, uh, yeah. that
1: side of things, I think. Although I, th- I don't know
0: if anyone who's complaining about the COVID results has read many uh, neuroscience papers with <laughs> and debates no. about the population <laughs> size or something like that. <laughs> No, that that's that's right. They're like, um, excuse me. This economics paper had a two <laughs> sigma normal uh, distribution, so I think COVID's wrong. <laughs> I feel like that's yes. the same uh, kind of very limited Venn diagram crossover there. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, th- I actually think the, the COVID issue, that sort of or the sort of misinformation about COVID, it sort of highlights one issue that happens in um, scientific journals, is that um, an article can can be published and then subsequently be shown to be false or incorrect, some errors with it, and so retracted by the journal. But those results are already sort of out there and are sort of pounced upon. And I think that sort of happened with a couple of the um, sort of misin- misinformation around, um, oh, what's the, the, the treatment that Trump Arbobectin? was spouting? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people jump the gun. I know. Yeah.
1: Non-stop. I mean, the thing that I don't understand, people are very happy to take uh, horse-worming tablets, but not on the basis of one study, but not not happy to have a vaccination on the basis of a multitude of of studies. Yeah, I think think
0: the funniest part for me is that... Puzzles me. Yeah, someone pointed out to me, actually. They go, it doesn't... if you're anti-pharmacy, you know what you're—you're you're still wrong. You could say, but at least you've got some consistency. Yeah. But if your issue is like, oh, I'll buy from this pharmacy instead of that pharmacy, yes. like, what are you? What's your issue now? Like, as in it's the same yes. company selling you both, except one has less people assessing whether it's good or not. Like, as in it just seems to uh-huh. not make much sense. Yeah, they're just like, I just want to be different, guys. It's an entire political <laughs> movement. Um, the uh, so I guess uh, to, to yeah. Look, the 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 analysis stuff uh, is interesting to me, yeah. Just because, uh, look, economics has a complicated history. I feel like, as in, it tried to get treated like a science for a while, quite properly, and now I think they kind of stepped back from that degree. Is that fair to say, or is that still the case? Or
1: well, some people would argue. Some of my colleagues would probably argue with you, but uh, I agree. I think it's you know, it's a a social science. It's it's almost more of a uh, so we do use data and. Based things on statistics, but it's definitely it's an if it's a science, it's an imperfect science for sure. It's um and more of a certainly some things are more than art than a than a, a science. I think one of the issues is you know so you mentioned the GFC earlier. You can't pre- I think economists or the at least the the public. And the media held up economists as you know they should be able to predict these things. I I don't think that's necessarily what they set out or we set set out to to do. Um, It's maybe not too helpful, but I think what economists really are trying to do is help to explain what what happened or what's happening, rather than predict what's going to to happen. That may not be entirely helpful. But hopefully, if we understand what's happened in the past, we can uh, help to to predict or understand what's happening in the future and certainly um, how to respond to, to things. Mm. No, I, don't, I, I think yeah. I think an example of that lessons learned, it would be sort of March last year when the COVID sort of pandemic first sort of started, had a response in the economy. Um, how central banks around the world responded to the sort of liquidity crunch and credit crunch within financial markets. They sort of took lessons from the GFC um, and sort of provided lots of additional liquidity, so lots of extra cash into the, to the market to support it. I think that's created problems of its own, but um, it's still – was very helpful at the at the time.
0: Yeah, that's why I, you've actually picked a very good, uh, I think a golden example just because how much it captures what you mean because I think that was all, I mean, not that he did it himself, but uh, what's his name, that billionaire that wrote that book about uh, um, Ray Dalio, Ray Dalio, I just remembered. So this is a good example because he's kind of gone and become like a real proponent of this attitude of always, the risk is liquidity crunching and then that causing an issue. Um, but I'm actually yeah. interested, like, this is I don't even know if this will stay in the episode because it's <laughs> way – it's esoteric for most people. Yeah. But yeah. obviously, that on paper, that makes sense, right? You're like, oh, the issue here is that liquidity stopped running the uh, market and then that's what caused kind of the crunch that happened. But obviously, that's based on the idea that we're not actually seeing the full impact of that stuff in terms of from a five-year perspective or, something, or, t- or 20-year yeah. perspective. So, I'm just wondering, do you have any opinion on that? Do you reckon like as in – like you said, it's well, imperfect, but is it so imperfect I, that it's too dangerous to use? That, or, yeah
1: well, so all of these sort of mechanism monetary policy mechanisms or you know the fiscal policy actions like a job seeker and and things like that helping to support the economy they they're, they're to, the intention I think is to to stabilize the economy during a, a panic. Um, so that things don't get as bad as they could have otherwise, I think the issue becomes. I think this is a, r- a really big issue for for asset prices at the moment mm. when the liquidity, liquidity and cash is just ch- so cheap. So money is so cheap that it just f- and it because it's flooding around the the market that asset prices just zoom and just keep going up and up and then so every time that there's another crisis well the response before that that original liquidity has been withdrawn the response is just add more liquidity Mm. so then that just pushes asset prices further so it becomes like a self-fulfilling cycle to, to some extent so the question is where where does that does that end yeah so so one one of the reasons why house prices are so ridiculously high not just here in Australia but in other places around the world is because central banks make money cheap and borrowing cheap and so where do, what the people do they borrow more invest in assets that they, they don't save because save you get nothing hmm. on your savings so you put it into other assets and so housing Stock prices are all time highs. It's despite the pandemic. Stock prices are all time highs. It's um, in- incredible. So the the concern is what happens when that's withdrawn. So the, the talk about the the Federal Reserve or the the central bank taking away the punch ball from the party. Uh, so
0: that, that's that seems to me like the uh, the other side, which I think all, all of these people talk about, like the desire for liquidity. But it's like. Like, I mean, I I make a joke with my friend. He's a hedge fund trader and I'm like, it's done. Just buy because there's no, there's no dips anymore (laughs) because if there's a dip, this is going to print money and it's going up. So it's, there's no, the world's gone crazy. The worse the news, the more you should buy because it's going to skyrocket even more. Like it's, I know
1: that's, it's crazy. It's almost, yeah. So it's almost feels like the, the end to economic cycles in some way or at least in, in cycles. yeah. So it's, but I, I just can't see that it goes for forever. There's got some some correction, but uh, um, you know, I mean the, the other argument, and this was what you know, even back when uh, John Maynard Keynes was recommending f- fiscal um, intervention during uh, the depression and things, um, the argument would be it's it's better to just to let the market respond to these events and then the it might be a, a deep cut but it's a it's a short and quick cut and then things recover whereas now just the the situation gets just built mm. so eventually what what do we have it's
0: yeah and that's yeah that's what it's like I don't know so so
1: one other aspect that it creates is and uh, Japan in the 90s and subsequently is probably a good example of that. Is we have zombie firms that, re- if if they were the government allowed them to fail, if they weren't um, putting so much additional stimulus into the economy, they would fail, and the econ- and then the economy would eventually recover from that. But so at the moment, we've got firms that are probably alive just because they can access debt so so easily, mm. um, it- and really, they've got no business to. To keep
0: going. But yeah, no, no, it's, a, yeah. it's I don't know, the topic is, uh, uh, look, and this is what you traded it's, as well in terms of debt. That's why the whole takes, thing is. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, again, this is it's, it's like talking of debt. I, I, I just I very rarely get to talk to someone of your caliber like, about <laughs> Like, as in, I remember when I was in university, they uh, the finance, uh, he was talking about the debt financing. And one of the examples he gave, and it's, it scarred me for life in a way, but he was talking about yeah. when Kraft bought Cadbury. Um, I, think oh, was, yeah. I think it was I think it was Craftboard Cadbury, and it was like yeah. Cadbury was a much much bigger company, but it was so well managed that it didn't have much debt. So what this smaller company did was do the classic thing that oh, now everyone knows a leverage buyout, where they just go, oh, we'll just yeah. borrow against the company and buy it, and then put the debt on it." So it's like this isn't good for anyone, like cause it's making a worse company, and it's yeah, it just seems wrong in yeah, a weird I mean, way. That,
1: that's sort of an example of financial innovation gone gone wrong. Yeah. That's the, there was a really thinking of uh, books. There was a really good um, book called *Barbarians at the Gate*, which was written about um, a, lever- a famous leverage buyout in the U.S. for a firm called RJR Nabisco, and I think they might have subsequently been bought by Kraft. So they they had two parts of it: they had a uh, tobacco part and a, a sort of a, a food component. Um, biscuits and and things like that, and so the book is all about the le- the sort of the race for the leverage buyout for that, and how um, these investment banks got involved, and there were some interesting characters in that in that story. So it's a, it's a really uh, in- interesting read. I, I thought mm.
0: Barbarians of the Gay. I think I've heard of that actually. Yeah, Barbarians of the Gay, Yeah, um, we've gone completely. Off topics <laughs> it's meant to be, but i I just uh, yes it was, yeah. it's interesting uh, so maybe some listeners will find it interesting too um, <laughs> to go back for a second to that uh discussion we're having about the uh, the the gentlemanly read of those books um uh, yeah no, so so like I was saying, uh yeah it's interesting to see that kind of because I'm not even thinking of it in terms of genteel or even this uh, ostentatiousness of, let's say, the markets and maybe certain elements of gentlemanly culture. But I was thinking more like the yeah. cultured sense, the worldly sense, which seems to have appealed to you as well. Yeah. Just the getting out and expanding your mind, which is all these characters have. And you've already mentioned academia yeah. so many times. Um,
1: yeah. Well, one of, I, one of the things that I absolutely loved about living in London was the the cultural side of it and the you know, being able to go to the open-air theatre in Regent's Park and being able to go, uh, you know, to, to the West End and see a musical and, um, you know, all of the the galleries and, you know, the National Gallery and the British Museum and all of those things, which a, a lot of the museums and galleries are, were free as well. So it was a great way to sort of while away a few, a few hours and because they were free, you could just go in, look at a section of it, and come back another time and look at another section. Particularly the the British Museum, such a brilliant uh, building and um, establishment. Um, yeah, so I, I love that about London, all of the the culture.
0: No, no, I I agree. I think it's a. It can be overwhelming, but obviously, yeah, it's amazing as well. That side of things. And look, I'm, and I'm also i got to say, I'm glad I've had quite a few people who've been Perth based on this show, yeah. and a lot of the time it's them yeah. leaving Perth, and a lot of the time it's them <laughs> uh, yeah. having comments about what they've, you know, why they left. So it's very nice to have someone who's gone from London to Perth. That's a nice promo for yeah. the city.
1: Yeah. It's uh, well, as you hopefully saw in the the AFL Grand Final production, where it was. Uh, had all of the flyovers and, and, and things I thought it was a really good tourist advert for their city. It's a beautiful place to live. It's...
0: Yeah. And just like lifestyle-wise, it just doesn't get much better.
1: And I, I, that's sort of the way I sum up Perth to a lot of people, ignoring the cultural side of things that it's the, you know, in, in, in Sydney, if you wanted to go to the beach, first, it took ages to get there, driving. Then you had to try and find the parking spot. If you found a parking spot, it was sort of $8 an hour to to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And then you couldn't take your dog on the beach either. Here, it takes no time to get there because there's no traffic. There's loads of parking spots. They're free. And you can take your dog to a lot of the beaches. So that's just life is so much easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've... I feel like it's just such a lifestyle cycle thing. You start off wanting one thing and then you like obviously go overboard and go to let's say London especially and then yeah. do that and then for a while. Then you're like actually I kind of like there's still enough culture here and I can kind of like being able to walk around and not have to wait in traffic for 50 hours to get anything. It is. I mean
1: that's – I mean they say that British people like queuing. I, that's a, a fallacy at least from my point of view. British people are forced to queue because there's so many people living on a quite small island or relatively small island. I hate queuing. And so one of the things that I really disliked about Sydney went before was the increase in restaurants that you couldn't book a table. So the whole thing was you had to come and wait outside. Oh, mate. And, you know, that was the, you know, the cool thing about it. Yeah. Is that, that is not cool. That is <laughs> stupid.
0: Uh, <it's> 100%, <laughs> Thank, yeah.
1: Thankfully, that has not taken taken hold here in Perth.
0: Uh, it's, it's been about, what, 10 years? It might be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I 100% agree. But, I think it's one of those things where people don't realize how. You just don't have to put up with that. Just walk in. It's so much easier. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the definitely in the 10 years i've been here uh, 10 years uh eight oh when did i come here Two th- eight eight years i've been here um, in perth the food and the culture cultural part of things have definitely improved particularly the food when we first moved here it was very difficult to get a sort of a nice um breakfast or thing at, at the weekend but now there's so much choice it's really good No, is- not, not on the scale of Melbourne or, or Sydney but it's it's much much improved
0: this is starting to sound more and more like an ad for, <laughs> for
1: birth you, apparently you can even get a coffee a decent coffee here these days I don't drink coffee but um, my wife does and you, apparently that's even that's possible these days
0: okay that's actually pretty good. Yeah, no. Look, I guess some people from Melbourne moved over. That's nice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, think, I actually think that is what happened. Yeah, that's
0: it. It's funny. When I was in London, I noticed it there as well. It's like one of the things people from Australia don't realize is how like uh, uh, Australian coffee is rated highly. Like as in Melbourne, it's kind of yeah. a thing people know about. So it's like, which you don't realize, but people are like, oh, it's from Melbourne coffee. It's like actually a thing, which I didn't know until I went over there.
1: Well, there was even um, about two, three years ago, my wife and I, we went to LA and we found people were, we were staying um, down near Santa Monica near the beach and um, people were raving about this particular cafe because of the coffee and it was an Australian cafe yeah, and serving Vegemite and um, yeah, coffee, the, 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 the flat white had reached America yeah apparently. I mean what- but I think even Starbucks does flat whites these days so obviously it's uh,
0: yeah but I mean it's it's Starbucks
1: you know? not the same not the same <laughs>
0: it's not the same yeah I don't, I don't I don't
1: I don't as I say I don't I'm more of a tea tea drinker myself so being British <laughs>
0: yeah no look some things just never change
1: yeah okay actually
0: one last thing and this is me just kind of pointing it out i guess more than anything else i just find it funny like uh i I noted this while we were talking you're saying how like uh yeah the 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 guess i made about the culturally genteel worldly thing and it's funny because like i think the best proof of that is that you didn't end up staying in like, although I guess there was more factors, just you choosing it, but in trading, yep. but you've actually ended up in academia, which I would argue is the most of that genteel attitude to things, uh-huh. if you know what I mean. So, like, as in it's, like, you know what I mean? Like, as in it's more cultural than it is anything else.
1: It is, although um, I think universities are. Uh, for rightly or wrongly, uh, run more like businesses these days than they were back in the uh, Halicum days of the 19th century. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's not to say that there's not in banking you don't spend time thinking. You certainly do spend a lot of time thinking about positions mm-hmm. and what's going on in the in the world. But you have things move at a faster pace, so. In academia, you have more time to sit and think more, maybe more big picture and uh, contemplate things mm. um, than you do in uh, in finance.
0: Exactly, it's not it's not just uh, your bonus, <laughs> your quarterly yeah, bonus you got that, to go for. That,
1: that's right. I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons I enjoy running is because it gives me time to think and clear clear my mind. I think that's one of the reasons I don't really listen to 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 much when I run. It's because I like to have the the time to to think. Mm.
0: No, I. I yeah. and it's the best kind of thing as well, right? You got like that runners high and all that stuff. If
1: exactly. So you've got the endorphins flowing through you, and uh, um, yeah, it really helps to cl- clear the 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 mind. I think I solve quite a lot of the the problems that I'm facing in my research. I solve. Out on the the trails in the Perth Hills, um, yeah. The, then the only issue is having to to remember the solution by the time you get back to the finish.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, especially if it's technical, that's very, uh, I do love that. So the, I mean, I, I, there is something very specifically connected between the boy who read uh, Around the World in 80 Days and then has ended up in Perth running ultra marathons <laughs> thinking about finance like as in there's a weird connection there in this strange way. i don't know um but it, we have gone for a while so i should cut it off there um thanks so much for okay. being on that was really fun uh is there any with anything you would want anyone to follow you on or check you on anything at all before we sign off no that's, all good. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's
0: okay yeah <laughs> okay i'm, having I'm not on too. a fit.
1: Yeah, no. I, I do use social media but not uh, not regularly, so mm.
0: no, that's sounds good. All right, so, um, well, thanks very much for being on. Not a problem. All right, cheers. <laughs>